You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Welcome back to The Crossroad Podcast. We are on episode seven of season three. Thank you for hanging in there with us. This episode, we're going to talk about boundaries. And, you know, Kylie and I work at a college and we talk about boundaries pretty much every day. Our students are constantly struggling with what are the right boundaries to hold for themselves? What are the right boundaries to set? What are the consequences for those boundaries? One of the things we sort of laugh about and and tell them is this is an ongoing thing. Like struggling with boundaries is, is a lifelong human endeavor. Just last week in my community group, we have a couple of dads who are in there and they both have uh, little girls who are five, six years old, somewhere around. There And one of them was saying that they're really having difficulty uh, determining some appropriate just consequences for bad behavior. What are, what are some things that they can put in place to help give their daughter sort of a tighter uh, set of boundaries and, and to help her understand when things are okay and not okay to do? And the other dad in the group was saying that they actually he has the opposite problem with his little girl where they say like, okay, you're, you know, you're getting to about time for a consequence. And the little girl says to him like, all right, well, what's the consequence going to be? And he can see the wheels turning in her head as she's trying to determine if it's worth it. Uh, to go ahead and continue her behavior and just deal with whatever the consequences are. And the reason I tell these stories is because boundaries and consequences are are building blocks for life. It's a, an essential part of what it means to be a person and to engage with the people who are around us. And we're constantly going to get boundaries and consequences wrong. But if we want to live a meaningful life and if we want to have meaningful organizations and if we want to develop and build healthy organizational cultures, it's going to take some intention around boundaries and consequences, some honest conversation and some effort to do the best that we can. When Kylie and I a few years ago were backpacking through Europe, we were on a real tight budget. And one of the games that we like to play was uh, see how far you can get for free. And so what we would do is essentially we're kind of testing the boundaries. You know, we don't speak the language. We don't know the rules. And so we would just kind of walk down a hallway until a security guard would stop us. We would go to a museum and we'd stand outside not knowing for sure if you had to pay when you went in or not. And we would go in until we found a counter that required us to pay. And then we would turn back around and and leave. And so the idea was we actually got into a couple of free museums because the courage that it took to just uh, see if we could get a little bit further than uh, standing outside and wondering was enough to get us in. But the idea that we had is that the further you can get, the better. And I think that's kind of the mindset that humans have with boundaries, especially when we're teenagers and, and maybe even as adults, it's kind of a holdover from not really learning appropriately when we're kids and when we're teenagers. But we have this idea that more is better. We live in this more society where it's just more money, uh, more of what I want, less of what I don't want. And so we imagine that a meaningful life, that a fulfilling life, that a happy life is about kind of constantly achieving more. And so Kylie and I, we were definitely disappointed when a security guard would tell us, "Uh, excuse me, sir, you're, you're not allowed to go into this museum or into this place without a ticket. And we'd have to turn around and leave. We were definitely missing out. On, on what was inside. And, and that's kind of the way I think we think about boundaries, which is not really 
the most accurate way to think about the way that boundaries and consequences work together and the purpose for them. Because unlike backpacking Europe and the beautiful museums that are all over the place, not everything we're trying to walk into is a good thing for us. And so sometimes boundaries are helpful and necessary and for our own good. And so we have to first start with an evaluation of what our boundaries about and and what why do they exist? Why do they really exist? And how do we combat this mindset that just more is always better. Boundaries are essentially obstacles. They're things that are put in place to keep us from going a certain direction or to keep us from getting to a certain destination or conclusion. You know, and I mentioned this already, but teenagers are sort of renowned for pushing boundaries. They're just the same way Kylie and I were exploring Europe. Teenagers are seeing how much they can get away with. And when I was a youth pastor, I heard this once and it really stuck with me, is what teenagers are, are doing a lot of times, whether it's subconscious or or not, whether they realize it or not, what teenagers are doing is they're trying to determine if the authority figure in their life is going to love them enough to uphold the boundaries that they said they were going to, if someone's going to love them enough to tell them no. And so it's a really kind of complicated process that, that we're going through as we hit these obstacles and as we navigate them. In, in the, the strictest, most literal sense, we can consider walls to be a boundary. And so when you're walking through a hallway at work, there are literal walls that keep you in funneled towards a certain direction and they keep you from going in other directions. And going back to the idea that we think more is better, those walls are sometimes there so you don't like fall off the side of a 10-story building, right? So we wouldn't say like this would be way better if we just didn't have any railings or if we didn't have any walls or if there were no limitations to how we maneuvered around on the 110th floor of this building. Uh, that would be dangerous and reckless and foolish and not in our best interest. So sometimes walls, sometimes boundaries are obstacles that are put in place for our own good. And I think that's the real heart, that's the real nature of boundaries and consequences and why they are in place and why they're so prominent in the human experience. We have this vast array of options and opportunities, uh, and not all of them are, are good, and not all of them are bad. But what boundaries do is they help to funnel us into a certain direction. They help to create obstacles and to close off the distractions of other choices. You know, it's it's very difficult. We talked about this when we talked. We did our season on, on how to make a decision on how to navigate choices. Uh, when you make a choice, you are necessarily choosing over and against something else. So if I'm choosing to go to a certain restaurant for dinner, I'm choosing not to go to the myriad other restaurants that are in my neighborhood. So all of this to say that the boundaries and consequences from the time that we're children are set in place to help us to learn to navigate the world and to try to figure out what is in our own best self-interest. Um, if you have, you know, if you're like one of my friends who has a five-year-old kid, you're going to watch them pretty closely. We live in New York City. Uh, they're not going to say like, hey, you know, little daughter, will you go over to the grocery store and pick up some meatloaf for us or whatever? They're not going to just let her go on the subway. They're not just going to let her wander across the street. They're going to help watch her and show her, not because they're some sort of oppressive parental dictators, but because she hasn't learned what the boundaries are. She hasn't learned what the best practices are to keep her safe and to keep her uh, in 
the greatest state of well-being. So as we think about how this relates to organizational development, how it relates to developing a culture within an organization, the first question we've got to just ask ourselves is what is actually in our best self-interest? Not the question of what do I want the most, but the question of what is best for me? And I can't answer that for you and certainly not for your organizations, but I think that's the place we need to start, which again points us to the power of vision, especially a transcendent vision. Organizations that develop a mission that they really believe in and they really commit to, it's based on values that are innate to who they are, uh, that are inherent with their with their personalities and with uh, the participants in the organization. Organizations that have those elements will create boundaries that help funnel people in the direction of the mission. And that's not an oppression sort of thing. That's a uh, helpful sort of way in the same way that you would erect walls to keep people from wandering off of a skyscraper floor. You want to create structures that help people to experience their best self and to accomplish the mission, not just of the organization, but of, of their very lives. So again, going back to this idea that we think about boundaries as obstacles, that's a pretty easy thing for us to wrap our head around. But what I want us to think about as this episode progresses is boundaries are also pathways. When you're in a maze, it's not just that the walls of the maze are preventing you from going a certain direction. They're also funneling you towards the correct solution. If you stay in the maze long enough, you'll find your way out. And so as painful as that is, and as confusing and frustrating and annoying as it can be, that's the way that the world works. That's the way that things operate. And so the best thing that we can do is to be true and honest about what the end of that maze looks like and what is worth going through the maze to achieve. And then understand that as we encounter obstacles, we're also encountering pathways. We're encountering new evidence of ways that we can achieve our vision in our mission. And so when it comes to setting boundaries and setting consequences within an organization, we've got to start with the question of what are we blocking out and what are we setting free? What are we creating obstacles to prevent ourselves from getting into? And what are we creating pathways that are directing us towards? And it's actually really difficult to be honest about this because I think a lot of times we might say we want something. We might say that we're building uh, structures in a certain direction when we're when we're really not. We're giving a lot of lip service perhaps to, to a transcendent there, to a meaningful end. But really when someone practically enters the maze, the obstacles that they come across really funnel them towards kissing up to the boss. It funnels them towards making money above all ends. It funnels them towards self-protection rather than uh, self-evaluation. And I don't mean that individually, although that's certainly the case. I also mean it just organizationally. I worked in the Christian, the American church for most of my adult life. And, and oftentimes when presented with criticisms or challenges, the American church can uh, turn very insular and protect itself rather than ask some difficult questions of itself. And that's not unique to to that organization. Certainly, most organizations have this kind of default of uh, we've got to protect ourselves. And also, that's a side effect of the greater idea of we just need more for us, more, more, more. Um, so anything that limits is a negative. Anything that creates an obstacle to the more is a bad thing. And what we need to do as we think about healthy structures and healthy organizations is to reorient ourselves and allow for boundaries that create obstacles that prevent us from getting towards our mission. Uh, because, you know, in the American church, sometimes self-evaluation is actually a tool. Uh, even self-criticism can be a tool to help us better pursue and achieve the mission for which we're after.
there. So the tool that we have for this is called the Freedom V. And if you imagine just a, a big V and the arms of, of that V are boundaries. And so inside of those arms is kind of what let's call freedom, the ability to do what, what whatever you want to do, what, what's good. That's the pathway. Outside of the V is uh, what Kylie and I affectionately call the land of consequences. So that's the space where you violated the boundary and there are consequences. And again, this is just naturally the way that it works. We have boundaries in our bodies. If we didn't have skin, our whole, you know, uh, self, like our whole physical self would just sort of collapse onto the ground and we wouldn't be able to move around and get things done. Skin is a boundary. Uh, We've got boundaries in terms of laws that prevent us from murdering one another. And if we go outside of those boundaries, there are consequences that we have to deal with. We also have kind of a innate, like inherent moral law where if I committed a murder, even if the, where if I committed a murder, even though I might get away with it and I I might not be arrested and for the rest of my life, I might go on undetected. I still have to deal with the consequences of that murder. There's this guilt. There's this thing that's kind of eats inside of me of realizing that I've done something wrong. There might be nightmares. There might be flashbacks. There's just this uh, coping that I have to do uh, that's a consequence of, of my sin. And I think a lot of times we think about consequences as purely external things, purely things that are brought on by other people. But sometimes whether I like it or not, I feel bad about things and I give myself consequences. You know, we talk about being our own heart, our harshest critic. And that's in some ways what I'm talking about is, is uh, we give ourselves consequences. There are eternal consequences for going against your values. There are internal consequences for doing things that you know you should not do. Whether external consequences ever find you or not, the reality is the way that we're made, the way that we operate, the way that we relate with one another in the world around us is such that violating a boundary always creates a negative consequence. So if you've got this V, uh, let's use the illustration of child rearing because I've already introduced that. At the bottom of the V where the where the arms are pretty tight together, that's where boundaries are, are tight. And so the level of freedom is pretty small in there. And so my friends who have five-year-old little girls, that's kind of where they are. They're watching them pretty closely. Uh, there are, are times and places where they're allowed to just kind of you know make as much noise and run around as much as they want. But again, they're not going to be allowed to cross the street by themselves. They're not going to be allowed to go to on the subway by themselves. They don't get to just decide what they have for dinner, no matter what the parents say. So we start out toddlers and children, young children, with these tight boundaries in order to show them how the world works and help them, help teach them, help them to understand what is best for them. And so as this child gets older, they might become a teenager. And so the we're like, think about maybe halfway up the arms of that V. Uh, so it's a little bit wider. You might say like, okay, son or daughter, you can go out with your friends, but here are the boundaries. You need to call me every time that you're at a new place and you need to be home by 10 o'clock. And so we give them this great greater sense of freedom where they can operate within, uh, still operate within boundaries, but they have been given a lot more freedom with which to operate. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that was really like shocking and uh, crazy for me to wrap my head around when I got to college was that 
that I was started to move into this really kind of top level of the V where my alarm would go off in the morning and I would realize, you know, my, my mom and dad aren't going to come in here and make sure that I get up and go to class. In fact, if I don't go to class, there is probably nobody that's going to notice. I could I could probably skip this class and still show up to the next several classes and make a grade and be okay. Uh, and so I've got to try to navigate for myself. Uh, and so there's this greater sense of freedom, right? You you aren't having a parent who's, who's checking in with you constantly. So the whole idea of child rearing is that you are trying to prepare a child for the time that they become an adult, where they are now responsible for setting their own boundaries and navigating uh, the consequences therein. And of course, there are always going to be a certain amount of external boundaries that are present. You know, I mentioned laws and uh, at, like when you join an organization, there might be a dress code or there might be rules that you have to follow. When you go into a restaurant, you can't smoke. Like there are things like that, right? Uh, so there are always some external boundaries in place. But what the Freedom V is trying to do is usher people upwards into like imagine a smaller V within the upper part of the of the one we've been talking about that's got kind of maybe a dotted line instead of solid lines. You can go to the crossroad.net and look at all of this if you're a visual person. But that smaller V is the boundaries that we set for ourselves. Uh, when we were on the World Race, which is a trip that goes around the world for a month and does a lot of work with orphans and churches and different types of things. And each time we went into a new country, there was kind of this new set of rules, these new boundaries that, that we had to abide by. And one of the boundaries that was most often in place was like, you can't drink more, you can't ever have more than two drinks at once, you know, just just a, a rule to help make sure that people were responsible and weren't getting out of hand. So those are kind of the solid big arms, right? But we had some people on our on our squad who uh, had struggled with alcoholism or whose parents struggled with alcoholism or honestly who like just didn't want to deal with it, who decided that a better boundary for themselves would be to never have more than one drink or to not drink at all. Uh, and so those are those tighter dotted lines that I'm talking about when we take ownership of our own boundaries, when we start to analyze and realize what is best for me and how can I not be reliant on external boundaries to set that for me. So all of this to describe to you what the Freedom V structure looks like. And we can do this for our individual lives and our parenting, and we should. But we can also do this in corporations, in churches, uh, in all types, you know, all types of organizations, including uh, softball teams and, and everything else that we've mentioned in episodes prior. And the whole point here is to encourage people to set boundaries that are most in alignment with their best self-interest and most in alignment with the mission of not just the organization, but their lives as well. So often organizations view boundary setting as this control punishment dynamic where the focus is we need to keep our people from doing X, Y, and Z. So again, it's an obstacle minded boundary setting where the focus is we really just don't want people misbehaving. And so we're going to do everything that we can to keep people from doing the things that we don't want them to do. And one of the things that is so tricky about that and, and is so dangerous in a lot of ways is that if I'm the CEO or if I'm in the leadership team that is taking on that mindset, there are two things that can happen. First, it can turn very much into a us versus them, where we, the leadership team, are the wise ones who are capable of doing the right things, and the rest of them are helpless dependents that need us to do things for them, to control them, in order for them to do the right things. The other thing that kind of goes alongside of that is 
that it can very easily turn into uh, a manipulation where we're using this control punishment dynamic to get them to do what we personally want them to do, which so often is um, celebrate me, uh, reinforce, reaffirm my own insecurities and and my like uh, self-worth. And so we start to use this control punishment dynamic to get people to affirm us rather than to get them uh, to usher them towards the mission of the organization. And what's so insidious, even though a lot of times we don't do this on purpose, is that we'll continue to use the same language. Language We'll, we'll tell people in our organizations like, you're not a team player. You don't care about this company. You don't care about this organization and what it's trying to achieve. And what we really mean, what we're really telling them, what our structures are really uh, have really put in place, the real walls, the real obstacles, the real mission is my own self-affirmation. You need to do not what's in your best interest, but what's in my best interest. So the opposite of that, and the thing that we're obviously going to advocate for, is to think of boundaries as an influence-inspiration dynamic, a tool that can be used to help encourage people to make the best of their lives. Uh, And so boundaries, just like with a kid, you are setting boundaries only when necessary and with the end goal of showing this child how the world works in the hopes and the expectation that they will uh, take hold of that at, at some point and and that they will take ownership of that and at some point they will do it for themselves. And so when I say inspiration, what I mean is we want to set up boundaries as pathways towards the mission. And so when someone's doing something that's not in alignment with the mission, we can go to them and say like, hey, this is, you violated this boundary and there needs to be a consequence, which isn't just to punish you. It's not just because you are bad and you're a terrible person and you're a failure. It's because you have done something that is A, inconsistent with the organizational mission and B, is inconsistent with your own mission. You know, at the school, a lot of times our students are very afraid of getting in trouble. And I think part of the reason they're afraid of getting in trouble is because of this control punishment uh, dynamic. I I think they often feel like uh, if they're not perfect, then they're worthless. It becomes this kind of zero-sum game. And I, I think one of the things that we struggle to communicate to our students is that uh, getting in trouble is not a bad thing. Getting in trouble is this kind of acknowledgement that you have gone outside of the boundaries of your own character. And we've all done that. Uh, we, we've all made mistakes. I have, um, I have made mistakes. <laughs> I've done things that I regret, things that I am embarrassed about. I've done things that are just honestly not in alignment with who I really am and who I really want to be. And so acknowledging that is not an acknowledgement that I'm not the person that I thought I was or the person that I uh, am trying to be. What it is is an acknowledgement that I have done something that's gone outside, it's gone counter to the character that I'm trying to develop. And again, I'm talking about personal character, but if culture is the character of an organization, the same sort of thing works within a corporate dynamic. So all of this to say that what we want to do is we want to create boundaries and we want to communicate boundaries in a way that helps people to see that this is not just uh, because you have to do things a certain way. This is not an obligation. This is about freedom. And I would make the argument that in the same way that Kylie and I uh, 
And I would make the argument that we've defined freedom poorly. We've sort of taken on that more mindset when it comes to freedom, that freedom should always just be about doing more. But nobody looks at a serial killer and says, like, that person should just be allowed to express themselves. They should be free to do whatever they want to do. So you, we, we have limits. We understand that there's limits to that idea. And so when we're talking about living within the arms of that V, we're not talking about living in this stuffy obligation where you don't get to do the things you really want to do and you have to just do the miserable things that you don't want to do. What we're talking about is getting to a place where you can live with peace and you can live with joy and you can pursue the mission that you're pursuing without the baggage and the negative consequences that come from stepping outside of your boundaries. Because every time that I do something that's counter to my character, every time I do something that's not aligned with my internal value system, Every time I step outside of those boundaries, I have to experience consequences and the weight of consequences and the reality of consequences to bring me back in alignment with the true mission of my life. If I flounder out in the land of consequences and refuse to acknowledge what's going on, it's just this huge distraction and this huge mistake. It's it's uh, living outside of truth and reality, and it's just a distraction. We talked before about how organizations are dysfunctional when they have a split vision, a split mission. And so there is a lot of freedom to be gained from acknowledging, all right, this is something outside of who I really am and what I really want and what's really best for me. So I'm going to acknowledge that, face the consequences with courage and get myself back on track. The quicker that we can do that, the quicker we can live in a true sense of freedom. Yeah, I think we we run the illusion that just because I put the shackle on my own foot that somehow I'm not shackled. But the reality is a lot of us are living in this land of consequences, completely shackled, completely lost, completely confused. We're hiding and sin festers in secrecy. So we've got to acknowledge our mistakes. We've got to acknowledge where we have fallen short. We've got to acknowledge that we're outside of a boundary and that that doesn't mean that the game is over. That just means a correction is necessary, not a punishment, but a realignment. And so in an organization, what we're trying to do is help people to understand how the world works and how to operate within. I've been using a lot of personal character examples, but again, culture is the character of an organization. So the the same thing works in a corporate setting. When we talk to students, we often talk in both of those veins. We'll say like, "What what are your values? What do you really care about? What do you really want out of life? And we'll talk about how whatever specific behavior they're doing, drinking too much or whatever, uh, isn't in alignment with that. And then especially if they're like in student leadership or are in some sort of official capacity, really committed to the school, we'll talk about uh, how what they're doing also doesn't align with the school's mission and the school's values and how living outside of that undermines their own ability to influence our community towards betterment. You can't be floundering in the land of consequences and trying to effectively influence other people at the same time. You can be experiencing consequences. You don't have to be perfect, but the better you are at acknowledging boundaries, the better you're going to be at influencing the people who are around you. So there's a lot of advantages to this. There's a lot of advantages to healthy boundary setting. There's a lot of advantages to an organization taking this kind of a mindset around boundaries and consequences. The first is that, the first uh, advantage is that it helps to clarify expectations. Um, One of the phrases that I think, like the first time I heard this, it like hit my ears really strangely and it might hit you strangely as well. But one of the first things I heard about this is 
is that it kind of uh, dehumanizes the things that we experience. And what that means, it sounds like it sounds negative, but I think it's a positive. What it means is that it makes it not personal, depersonalizes maybe a better term. Uh, and so instead of me hitting a boundary and crossing over it and having to deal with consequences, instead of that feeling so personal and so like indicative of who I am, like I've been on trial and found guilty of something and now I'm, I've got to be, you know, permanently put somewhere. Um, creating this, using the Freedom V structure and creating this perspective around boundaries and consequences helps to see that this is about the mission that we're achieving. And this is about me as an agent of that mission. And I think in a way that's more personal, more human than anything else, because it acknowledges the complications of who I am and the reality that I sometimes fall short. And, and so all of that gives us an ability to set clear expectations because we don't have to be so afraid uh, that they're that they're gonna that they're personal. These are not personal attacks. These are boundaries that are put in place to help funnel us towards the mission that we're trying to achieve. The second and far and away the biggest advantage of this kind of boundary setting is that it promotes self-governance within an organization. Self-governing people are more productive. They're more productive in terms of uh, at, you know at work. They're more productive in terms of like faith institutions like church. They're they're more productive even though that's a weird term to th- weird way to think about it with their families. Self-governing people are people who are taking ownership of their own lives. They realize that they are the acting agent in their decision making. That they are the creative force within their themselves. And so in essence, they are taking charge of that little dotted line V and setting boundaries for themselves. So when I talked before about how uh, this kind of boundary setting can be inspirational, this is what I mean. Someone who shows up to work and you tell them, this is what you have to do because this is why you have to do it. They're going to do that and nothing else. Someone who shows up to work and you say to them, uh, look, th- this is what's not very healthy for you to do. But inside of that, we want you to live and breathe and operate uh, as as creatively as you can to to achieve the, the mission that we share. When you do that, people are going to innovate. They're going to dream. They're going to thrive. They're going to be thinking about these things when they're uh, pushing their cart through a grocery store. They're going uh, to work harder. They're going to be more productive. And they're, they're going to set better boundaries for themselves because they understand the relationship between that boundary setting and their own effectiveness, not only within the organization, but within their personal character uh, and within their life in a greater context. And lastly, I've mentioned this already, but uh, this kind of boundary setting actually enhances freedom. It sounds so counterintuitive, uh, but boundaries enhance freedom. They make freedom more real, more true. And so freedom is not being able to do everything that you want to do. Freedom is not more, more, more. Freedom is about acknowledging what is best for you and operating within those parameters. So if uh, imagine a uh, imagine a flock of sheep who are just left to roam the countryside completely alone. And there's wolves and there's cliffs and there's uh, long stretches of rockiness where there's not food. And so letting those sheep kind of roam completely free uh, can be dangerous for them. But imagine you have a shepherd that comes along and says and builds a sheep pen that has a vast amount of space, but also is lush with green grass, is full of protection, uh, keeps out the the prey, um, keeps the, the food close by. And And so the sheep can operate there with a greater sense of peace. And so I want to challenge 
our conception of what freedom means, taking it away from doing everything I, w- I want to do or everything as much as there is to do, all that there is, into doing the things that actually bring me peace. Because again, living outside, living in the land of consequences, whether you're caught or not, they have an effect on you. They have a consequence. Consequences are not always external. And so when we live within our boundaries, we actually enhance our freedom. We're dragging around less baggage, less chains, less shackles, uh, less undealt with consequences, and we're more free to live and to frolic in alignment with our mission and values. So as an individual, this is key and essential to living a meaningful and joy-centered life. And when it comes to building an organizational culture, this is key in terms of setting up a structure that allows people uh, to live their best life and to be the best participant and contributor to the organization and the organizational organization's purpose as they possibly can. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.